Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and visit NBCOcala.com stories to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to help support the ministry financially, you can give online or through our mobile giving app. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. We welcome our internet family. God bless you all. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, before we get into the word, let me mention to you that next week we celebrate the 27th anniversary of the church next week. So pretty excited about that. 27 years. I was a boy preacher. I was about three and a half. And uh, now I'm joking, but um, God has been good to us. Amen. Well, we're going to continue in our series, Traps and Tricks. And I'm actually going to wrap up the series today. There's plenty more that could be said um, concerning traps and tricks, and that's why we teach every week. But as far as this series, um, we're going to kind of wrap this today. Um, God is almighty. Um, God is victorious. He has redeemed us. He has bought us. He's made us his own. And um, he causes us to overcome in life. Um, we're, We're destined for heaven. And for the goodness of God in this life. Um, But we do have an enemy. Sorry to bring the bad news, but we do have an enemy. But the good news about that is he cannot just overcome us. Okay? He cannot just overcome us. I used to have a weird uncle. How many of you have ever had a weird uncle? Okay. You know, when you're a little kid and he'd take your hand and go, what's this? And he'd start to hit you with your own hand, you know. And it's like. So that's why all these years later I still call him weird. But, um, but the enemy cannot just overcome you and, and do those things to you. So he must lay traps and play tricks. And we've looked at a number of common areas that he'll have traps and tricks. Proximity has to do with distance and nearness. We're actually going to pick up some more ideas on that today. Busyness, self-worth, companions, our words. And, and here's the purpose of the series is the more that we can be made aware, as we're aware, then we can avoid. If we know, oh, I know what this is, I know how this trick works, um, then we're going to be able to avoid and to escape what the enemy would try to do. Well, a big key in in an area that I want us to focus on and kind of launch off of today has to do again with proximity, because if you're not close to the trap, the trap can't get you. You know, if you're not close to the trick that's trying to be played on you, you know, if you keep your distance, you're, you're, you're going to be okay. Amen? Now look with me, if you, if you will, in Proverbs 22, verse 3. It says, the prudent sees danger and hides himself. This word in the, in the Old Testament Hebrew actually means to be absent. To be absent. And so as we see danger, we want to make sure that we are not present, that we are absent. But the simple... And that's kind of a nice way to put it. The simple go on and suffer for it. Then the same, uh, then in uh, same chapter in verse five, it says, "Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul, whoever guards his soul, will keep far from them." So again, proximity that we want to keep our distance. And if you keep your distance, you can avoid traps and you can avoid tricks. There's an Italian proverb that says, the best armor is to keep out of range. The best armor is to keep out of range. We, we say it around here a lot, the long way 
is better than the wrong way. So there's a lot to be said for proximity and for keeping our distance. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 13. It says, and this in the middle of a passage here, I want to draw out one point here. From those who, watch this, leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Doesn't make sense, does it? But we do it. We leave the paths of uprightness. We leave the right path to go walk in the wrong path. And this word darkness here, describing the way of darkness, includes the idea of misery and destruction and sorrow. It just doesn't make sense that we would leave the well-paved, smooth, well-lit, safe, tried and true path, that we would leave that and go off-road where we should not be, where we're not equipped to be, and all that can happen, the darkness, the misery, the sorrow, the destruction that comes. It doesn't make sense, and yet we do it. So I want us to find out today how we overcome this and how we can be aware of this. When we travel, and I want, I want you to really realize this, when we travel the wrong path, when we go in the wrong direction, even if it's brief, you will incur damage. I'm going to say it again. If you take the wrong path, you get off the right path, take the wrong path, or you go in the wrong direction, and I'm talking with our life, I'm talking spiritually, I'm talking about you know, how we live our life. If you go in the wrong direction, you take the wrong path, you will incur damage. Can anybody say amen to that? I mean, because you've done it. Come on, because you've done it. And never underestimate, never underestimate the damage and the consequences that can come from going off road, so to speak. It will affect you in your soul. It can affect you physically, um, emotionally, relationally, financially. It can greatly impact your confidence, your hope, your future, your joy. You know, I get concerned when I, when I see people that have lost their joy. You know, what is going on there? Because again, and we sang about it this morning, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so the enemy is so after your joy because if he can get your joy, he can weaken you. Amen. Amen. So um, sin, and I heard this years ago, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to spend. And so much of ministry is, is people repair. And it's from the damage incurred from going the wrong way, from the wrong path. Let me show you this slide real quick here. Sin wouldn't be so attractive if the wages were paid immediately. I mean, there's so many things we think, well, that'll never happen to me, or I'll get away with it, or or this or that. But I'm telling you, the wages of sin is death, all forms of destruction and ruin. But sin wouldn't be so attractive if the wages were paid immediately. I think we would say no to a lot of things a whole lot more quickly if, if this were the case. Amen? All right. Now, what causes this? This is the question. This is the thing that's in my mind and, and we're going to address this morning. What would cause somebody to veer off, to go off the right life path and go toward, get close to the traps and the tricks and not keep their distance, and take the bait, and fall into the trap that the enemy would have for them. What, what is it? And I watch it happen all the time, and it's something all of us, say that's me, 
all of us, we, we have to fight this. So that is the question. Now let's look at this. When we have, when, when we um, step toward the trapper trick, that's outward. That is observable that we would violate proximity, that we've come close. So that's an outward thing. But I want you to know that when a person, when you, when I, when we get close to something, when we go toward the wrong thing, when we go toward the trap, there's not just something outward happening, there's something inward happening. And that inward thing that's going on is called desire. Desire. It's also referred to in in King James language as lust. How many of you know that lust is not just sexual? Do you know you can lust a Big Mac? How many of you are guilty before? (laughs) Hallelujah. All right, now back on track. All right. What it is, it's a strong desire. It's a pull. Strong desire. Impulse toward something. So again, traps and tricks. Let's say that that's a trap or a trick. And we can observe outwardly somebody violating distance and proximity. We can see that outwardly, but why is that happening? It's happening because of something inward, and what is happening inward is that desire, a wrong desire and impulse. Everybody say wrong desire. Now, our desires, our wrong desires have been shaped and affected by a lot of different things. We read in the book of Proverbs about a young man who went off the right path and got himself in some real trouble. And the one observing him and writing in Proverbs says that he lacked understanding. So sometimes that is part of it. Sometimes it's deception. Sometimes it's your history, okay? It's your history. What was modeled for you as you came up? By, by parents, by teachers, coaches, um, people, influential people in your life. What was modeled that you saw? What uh, what did you experience? What maybe happened to you that hurt you in some way um, that you experienced? And that can have impact on you as well. And um, it can cause propensity and tendencies and predispositions towards certain things. If you were raised in, in the family of an alcoholic or somebody very angry or somebody abusive, um, you can tend to carry those things over into your life. Now, let me give you a principle real quick. Whatever sins you do not forgive are retained. So let me put it to you this way. If you don't forgive, you're destined to repeat. So do this, do this. Give yourself the gift of forgiving others. Do you hear me? Give yourself the gift of forgiving others. They might be dead and gone. You may not even know where they are. It may not be safe for you to even be in contact with them, but forgive them, okay? Forgive them. Don't, you, you can just do it right where you are. You give yourself the gift because otherwise, and I have watched it and watched it and watched it, that children of an alcoholic parent end up dealing with alcohol because they never forgave. Hurt people hurt people, folks. And at some point, we've got to forgive and get, and get that out. So however, whatever the wrong desires that we would have, there are people because of abuse and neglect in their life now are very promiscuous in, in life, reckless in life. And they have wrong desires. And however those desires were shaped, formed, affected in your life, listen, listen to me for this, they are your desires. So you have to own them in this day. Well, yeah, but this happened to me or that was said to me or I was raised like this. 
All of that is very, very secondary. What we're doing right now is looking at in my life today and from today forward, that's my wrong desire. So we have to start out there with identifying that and and owning it, so to speak. Now, if you're real religious, you won't like this, but it is in the Bible. There's sin in your flesh. I told you you wouldn't like it. There's sin in your flesh. In my flesh is no good thing. Now, when I'm born again, my spirit is born again. My mind gets renewed. My flesh is my flesh. And you can never trust it. You never have annual flesh day. All you do is contain and control and keep under your flesh. You keep it under. You control it. But you never have to say, oh, this coming Saturday is flesh day. You're going to be missing a tooth, have a black eye, and be in jail. I promise you. If you just let your flesh do whatever, you can't do it. You can't do it. There is in you no good thing. The, the law of sin, it abides in your flesh. But we're able to manage it. We're able to control it. Okay? And that's part of what we're looking at instead of just letting it full run, run full course. And what, what it has is wrong desires. Are you with me so far? Amen. Now, no matter the origin of it, if it's in you, it is set up. To bring damage into your life. Look with me quickly in James chapter 1. James says, and remember, when you are being tempted, not if, but when, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Okay, so it's not God tempting you. Verse 14, temptation. Did y'all see that? It's in the Bible. Temptation comes from our own what? Desires. Desires. However they got there, they're yours. And temptation, what makes you temptable are your wrong desires in you. We'll, We'll fill it out in a minute. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice or entrap us and drag us away. Verse 15, these desires give birth to sinful actions, that's impulse. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now, again, our desires make us temptable. There are certain things in your path that would serve as a bait or a lure to try to get you toward a trap or a trick. Um, It's called desire. It's also called impulse. Listen to this definition of impulse. A sudden and unreflective urge to act. Did you hear that? Sudden and unreflective urge to act. How many of you have heard of impulse buying? Impulse eating? You didn't like that one either. But it's good. <laughs> what happens though is bait is there, something to lure you is there, and it draws you away if you take the bait and ultimately entraps you. So it goes back to desire. Let me put it this way. To catch certain fish, you have to have certain bait. A dry fly for trout, worm for bass, stink bait for catfish, honey for Winnie the Pooh, (laughs) cookies for Cookie Monster. Did I get everybody? Okay. Stink bait to Winnie the Pooh. If you don't like, you don't desire a certain bait or lure, and the enemy will find this through trial and error, 
then you won't be interested and you won't get in the trap. You know, there's some things you could put in front of me all day long and it wouldn't bother me, wouldn't pull on me one bit. There's some other things you put in front of me and which are none of your business. <laughs> and I would have to apply this message to overcome. Amen. And that's how you live. But if you put something in front of somebody and it pulls on that wrong desire, you have a better chance of getting them caught in that trap. Back on our, our back porch, we had this little stand and it has some flowers on it, and which we kill flowers, plants. I don't know what it is. And there's a water bucket. That's probably why we... we. And then there's some bean bags for um, cornhole. And they're all stacked up and then some other things. And uh, a month or so ago, my wife said, I think we have mice. And so we looked, and there are droppings all over the place. And so I thought, I will get them. <laughs> so I went and got these cool traps, and I put peanut butter in them. And I set them all up, and I checked them twice a day because this is exciting. <laughs> and so I'd go out there and look, no. Go out there and look again, No. So one morning, I'm up early doing my devotions, and I thought, I'm going to sneak attack. It's like a pre-dawn attack. <laughs> so I go out there, quickly turn on the light, and I moved all the, the, the beanbags. Lizards. <laughs> Lizards don't like peanut butter. <laughs> all right, let's close in prayer. <laughs> Do you get the point, though? Do you get the point? Now, follow this. In your path, in your daily walk of life, the enemy of your soul, through trial and error, through show and tell, through all your life, has found out what bait he can catch you on. And so as that bait is there, what do you do? I don't want to leave the path of righteousness. I don't want to leave the right path and get on the wrong path because damage will come. Ruin will come. So, but yet you're being pulled. And so how do we stay on this right path? Well, here's, here's one quick way to help you. WWJD, which is what? What would? No, not Jesus. Joseph. Do you remember Joseph in the Bible? And Potiphar's wife kept coming on to him. And finally, what did Joseph do? He ran. Everybody say run. run. So sometimes WWJD, you better run. And, and let me just say this real quick. This is my opinion. I don't think, I don't think Joseph ran because Mrs. Potiphar was gross and ugly. I think he ran because he knew I better get out of here. Are you, are you all with me on this? And run. Sometimes that's what you do is you run. But if that's your only defense, you're going to be running a lot and you're going to be exhausted. So in addition to running, let's look at a couple of things here. The next one will be this, resist, resist. Everybody say resist. In James chapter four, verse seven, it says, therefore submit to God. Here it is. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He runs now. If I do what? If I submit myself to God and if I resist, and part of resisting, you may want to mark this down, is this, to ignore, to ignore. Yeah, it pulls on you. Yeah, that's at certain 
bait that would lure your wrong desires. But what do you do? Part of resisting is to ignore. And I believe this. God will help you, but you have to help yourself some as well. Now, this desire that you are now resisting also carries the idea of impulse. And we talked about this a few minutes ago. Impulse is a strong, a sudden, strong, and unreflective urge to act. Unreflective. So I think part of what we need to do is be reflective. In other words, think about it. Reflect on this. Um, Even dogs do a good job of this. A number of years ago, I had um, two boxers. They were brothers. They were litter mates. They got to be about 110 pounds each. They were just beautiful and massive. And uh, they've since gone on. I love those guys. But um, they were were good-natured, too. And they run and play. And they were just too big, though, you know, because they come and want to play with you and knock you over, you know. But I remember one morning, and I'd mess with them sometimes, too. Um, one of them in particular, I had his, his food bowl, or like that, and, and I put my car keys in it instead of food. And I put it down in front of him, and he did like this. And I think you and I need to do a lot more of that. Are you all with me? Could we practice just one time? Your friends are going to say, what would y'all do in church? Well, we learned how to not catch a lizard and we. <laughs> but you need to think about some things. Yesterday, I just thought about this and I went to YouTube and I looked up stupid stunts. <laughs> and, I, and don't do it now, but you do it later, okay? And it's some people just doing stupid things. And this is what I thought about. You didn't think that all the way through. And that's what we do in life. We make decisions, and we did not think things all the way through. Now, I don't normally tell this kind of joke or use this connotation, but I saw this, and I just couldn't resist. First service liked it. (laughs) Last four words of a redneck. Hey, y'all, watch this. (laughs) So. So. We've got to think things through. Look with me in Proverbs 4. Look, give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. In the English Standard Version. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. We have to reflect. We have to give it some deep thought. And make sure that we realize that God doesn't deliver you from your pets. He delivers you from your enemies. And if you guard and protect that area of your life and make it a pet, he's not going to deliver you from it. Here's another thing to think about. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. And so you need to starve. If you keep feeding certain desires and appetites in your life, they will grow. You have to learn to start to ignore and start to starve those things. The next thing would be this. Identify. Identify. That means you ID, you locate, you call out by name. You name it and call out what those desires would be. You've got to be bold and honest. And like I said, call out that desire. You don't have to call it out for everybody else. You had better acknowledge it. Whether it be eating or cheating or shopping or drinking or porn or drugs or stealing or whatever it would be, you need to identify what it is because of this principle. You cannot challenge or change what you do not acknowledge. 
You cannot challenge or change what you do not acknowledge. You have to say, this is it, and develop a holy hatred toward it, and call it out and identify it so you know it. It brings it out into the light so you can start to whip it. And then this is what I want to spend some time on. Imagine the consequences. Read that with me. Imagine the consequences. This will help you. This will motivate you. This will constrain you. List your potential losses. Start to think about what would happen if you followed through with the wrong desires. It's sobering. In Proverbs chapter 5, we find a young man who, who went the wrong way, and it cost him his name, his honor, his health, his wealth. He lost everything. Proverbs 7, a similar, similar story, and, and it says of the young man, he did not know it would cost him his life. So I encourage people from time to time, I've said it to you, I say it to ministers, you may need to consider writing out a journal of consequences, a journal of consequences. And let me stop just for a moment. If you're here today and you say, I have messed up, I have done this, and there's probably a bulk, a bulk of the congregation today, you know, I, ha- I have ruined this, I have messed up, L- look at me and listen to me for this. This is not a house of condemnation. This is a house of grace and truth. This is a place where we, you can heal and get your traction back and let God restore and help you, okay? So I'm not condemning anybody, but I have to say these things to help all of us today, amen? amen. Now, a journal of consequences. Listen, y'all are eating up my time. <laughs> Name specifically the people who would be hurt if you follow through with this wrong desire. Your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, your friends, your neighbors, your company, your co-workers, your church. Name specifically who would be hurt. Secondly, write down the things you would lose if you followed through and sin occurred. Thirdly, imagine and script out telling your loved ones and those who you trust and who would be hurt by this that you did this thing. And when you do that, when you would imagine the, the consequences and the hurt and the pain... Of, of doing that, that would motivate you. That would constrain you. That would, that would make you say, it is not worth it. I will not, I cannot, I will not follow through with this. You've got to weigh that out and it will motivate you and constrain you. you know, if I think about my family and I think about my kids and my wife and I think about my grandbabies and I think about you, I don't ever want to stand in front of them or you and say, I, I changed lanes. I did the wrong thing. I, fought, I didn't listen to my own teaching. I, I followed wrong desires. And, and it, will, it will break anybody. It will hurt anybody. But see, if you will call it out in this way and think about it and look at it, you'll say, it's not worth it. I, you, and it's hard as something would pull on you. It's not worth it. And I won't do it. And it will constrain you if you'll realize the consequences. Sin has pleasure, but it's only for a season. It's fleeting pleasures. Afterwards, the Bible says it's the terrors of conscience. It's bitter as wormwood, and you have gravel in your mouth. So here's what you have to do. You have to think about your people. Think about those that you love, and it will constrain you. It, the things that pull on you, you'll say, I, I will not follow through. With that. Now, you're going to probably the rest of your days, those things are, are going to pull on you. You've got to be aware of them. You've got to imagine the consequences. And listen, be real. Don't act like you don't have something that pulls on you. Listen, I've walked the beach. I've walked the mall. And I've noticed beautiful creations. 
And listen, and I tell guys this all the time, it's the second look that'll kill you. So you can walk the beach, and especially with your wife or alone. And you're walking along like, But listen to me, it's the second look that'll kill you. And if you're wi- with your wife, she'll kill you. <laughs> listen, when we sin, it's because we're selfish. Admit it. When we sin, it's because we're selfish. And what selfishness is a lack of love for other people. But look at this. Love works where rules and try and can't. When you think about the people you love and the Savior who loves you so much and you love him and the people in your life, when you think about them, you know, it's beyond just the rules, don't do that. It's beyond just trying, I'm trying not to do that. Love works where rules and trying never can. Jesus said all the law and all the prophet depends on love. And I think if you'll think about your people, it should motivate you and constrain you where rules and trying never could. Here's, here's a saying and a good motto for life. Somebody is counting on me. Go ahead and say it. Somebody is counting on me. One more time. Somebody is counting on me. Keep your distance. Keep your distance and you can avoid traps and tricks. God will help you. God will make a way of escape. But you have to help yourself as well. There's plenty more on this, but I've got to stop right there. Did y'all get anything at all out of this this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.